This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton and adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. That was pretty much the NBA yesterday during its trade deadline yesterday. The NBA made in a massive amounts of moves, and I'm going to discuss every single one of them that has occurred yesterday, including the two big trades that the Celtics did in efforts to make their team better for this season. In terms of their moves from yesterday, it seems like the Celtics are serious about contending this year, despite their miserable and abysmal uh, current seating situation as they stand 21 and 23 but we are going to discuss everything in a well overdue Celtics edition of Murph's Boston Sports Talk so if you're interested if you want to hear more about the Celtics and what they did and including the NBA and what moves were made around the league stay tuned this is the episode for you what's up everybody welcome back to another edition of Murph's Boston Sports Talk I am your host James Murphy aka Murph and you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Murph's underscore Boston ST where the ST stands for Sports Talk. If you're watching on YouTube, please leave this video a like rating if you enjoyed it, and subscribe if you're new to the channel or if you haven't already. Guys, yo, oh my gosh. I don't know if you kept up with the NBA news yesterday, you know, what happened, but there were, oh my God, there were so many trades. There were 16 trades yesterday in the NBA. 23 teams involved with 46 rostered players moved. That is a record for each of those categories, trade teams and players moved in the past 35 years on deadline day. Wow. So I'm going to go over every single trade that was made from the NBA yesterday, but I'm first going to touch upon the two Celtics trades that were made, and then I'm going to come back to them and talk more about them in detail. So first, the simple one, between the Boston Celtics and the Orlando Magic, where the Magic send over Evan Fournier, who is a guard, and in return, the Celtics send Jeff Teague and two future second-round picks. Now, it is uh, deemed most likely that Jeff Teague will get waived by the Magic, so essentially, they're just getting two second-round picks for Evan Fournier, who is on an expiring contract. I'll talk more about Evan Fournier in a minute, but... The big trade for the Celtics was a three-team trade, including the Washington Wizards and the Chicago Bulls. 
So the Celtics get Luke Cornett and Mo Wagner, with Wagner coming from the Bulls and Cornett coming from the Wizards. The Bulls will receive center forward Daniel Tice, guard Javante Green, and Troy Brown Jr. The Wizards will receive Daniel Gafford and Chandler Hutchinson. That will include, um, that will conclude, I should say, that three-way trade right there between the Celtics, Bulls, and Wizards. But I will go more into that in a little bit. I do want to run down the entire trade of all the trade transactions, really, that were made across the NBA yesterday on March 25th, which was the trade deadline for the National Basketball Association. I'm going to run through it quickly. Probably not going to talk too much about it. Um, unless there's one that's really, you know, you know, piques my interest, but let's just get into it. So trade between the Orlando Magic and the Denver Nuggets, where the Nuggets receive Aaron Gordon and Gary Clark, and the Magic receive Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, and future first round picks. The Miami Heat and the Houston Rockets completed a trade where the Miami Heat get Victor Oladipo in return for Kelly Olynyk, Avery Bradley, and 2022 draft pick swap. I think that's a steal for the Miami Heat. I know he's not Oladipo is not who he once was when he was with the Pacers at the height of his career. You know that knee injury, or I guess it's technically a quad injury. You know, kind of really derailed him. And being on the Rockets, you know, wasn't really the best situation for him. But him and Wall were a relatively nice combo. It's just that team as a whole is just not who you know, not good. <laughs> Let's just simply put it, they're not good. All right, I'm trying to be nice and come up with words here to make anybody feel better who might be fond of the Rockets. But let's just be honest, they're not good. So Oladipo going to Miami, that's a huge pickup for them. Um, the Denver, not the Denver, I'm sorry, the Dallas Mavericks and the New Orleans Pelicans made a trade as well, where the Mavericks get J.J. Redick and Nicolo Melli, and in return, the Pelicans get James Johnson, Wes Iwundu, 2021 second-round pick, and cash considerations. The Clippers and the Hawks made it a deal as well, where the Clippers will receive Rajon Rondo. In return, the Hawks will get Lou Williams, a 2023 second-round pick, from the Clippers via Portland, and a 2027 second-round pick from the Clippers and cash considerations. Now, the Clippers are obviously in win-now mode. They don't have a lot of first-round picks to trade because of that big Paul George trade they made with the Thunder just a couple years ago where they traded five first-round picks and, like, a few swaps. So their first-round picks are kind of tied up right now. Uh, so really all they had to do was, all they had to work with was second-round picks, but they were able to get Rondo in return for Lou Williams, it's an interesting move right there because Lou Williams is the epitome of the sixth man. Um, excellent scorer off the bench, but is that something that the Wizards, uh, not the Wizards, the Clippers need right now? It apparently isn't, and they want a floor general in Rajon Rondo to kind of lead that unit between Kawhi, um, Paul George. It's going to be very interesting to see how he melds over there with his second Los Angeles team. I was kind of hoping the Celtics could make a small move for Rondo just to bring him back here to Boston. Because the Celtics could need a floor general themselves. They could use a leader, someone with experience. And I think Rondo fits that mold, who's someone who is pass, second, uh, pass first, score second kind of guy. But the Clippers definitely you know, made an upgrade there because Lou Williams is a scorer. And that is not something that the Clippers need at this point. The Denver Nuggets and the Cleveland Cavaliers made a trade where the Nuggets get JaVale McGee. And in return, the Cavaliers get Isaiah Hartenstein and two future second round picks. Um, the... Golden State Warriors and the Charlotte Hornets made a trade where the Hornets get Brad Wanamaker, shout out former Celtic, a 2022 second round pick from Toronto via Philadelphia and cash considerations. 
Meanwhile, the Warriors get in return 2025 second round pick from Hornets, which is a top 55 protected. Now, I just, I got to sit here for a second and think. Top 55 protected. (sighs) There's 60 draft selections in every draft. There's 30 teams. Each team gets two rounds. 30 times two is 60. So the Warriors get a 2025 second round pick from the Hornets, but it's top 55 protected. So if it falls, if this second round pick falls anywhere between 31, which is the first pick in the second round, and 55, it goes back to the Hornets. But if it falls 56, 7, 8, 9, 60, then the Warriors will get that pick. I I don't understand this move at all. I, I really don't understand this move at all from the Warriors. Are they just trying to shed some money for Brad Wanamaker? Okay, I, I'll get that. I mean, you know, they're just trying to clear some some salary cap. You know, that's fine. But you're also sending over cash, so I guess you kind of have to make it a little bit more valuable. And I guess in return, you could care less about that second-round pick. That's just very odd. Uh, whatever. Uh, what I'm just going to move on. The Toronto Raptors and the Sacramento Kings made a trade where the Kings get Terrence Davis and the Raptors get a 2021 second-round pick. The Utah Jazz trade uh, a future second-round pick to the Raptors in return for Matt Thomas. The Spurs make a trade with the Golden State Warriors where the Spurs get Marquise Chris and cash considerations and the Warriors get the draft rights to Katie Lalaney. Now, I don't know. I think a European player. But the Warriors are trying to, you know, save some money here. But they're dishing out cash considerations to both the Spurs and the Hornets. Very questionable moves. Could they have traded Brad Wanamaker because they got the draft rights to Katie Lalaney? Sure. I don't know. I don't know what the Warriors are doing over there. You know, how the mighty have fallen. The Sacramento Kings made another deal as well. And when they trade away Corey Joseph, a 2021 second round pick, a 2024 second round pick to the Detroit Pistons for Dellen Wright. The Sacramento Kings are back at it again where they trade Namahana Bajelica. Oh, God. I know this guy, too. Um, Bajelica Namanja Bajelica to the Miami Heat for Mo Harkless and Chris Silva. I was very loud. I'm so sorry. I was very close to the mic. Uh, yeah. Okay. Kings are making some moves. Then, you know, trading some players around. Uh, let's see. A three-way trade between the Philadelphia 76ers, the New York Knicks, and the Oklahoma City Thunder, where the 76ers get George Hill and Ignis Brazdikas. The Knicks get Terrence Ferguson, Vincent Poirier, the rights to Amir... I'm not even going to pronounce it. I'll spell it, all right? There's no no consonants in the middle. P-R-L-D-Z-I-C. Emir, P-R-L-D-Z-I-C. So take that for what it's worth. I don't know how to pronounce that. I'm sorry. Uh, the Knicks also get the t- a 2021 second round pick and a 2024 second round pick protected, a top 55 protected because it's protected through numbers 31 and 55. I don't know why the other trade didn't say that as well, but okay. All right, whatever. And to round that, round off that trade, the Oklahoma City Thunder get Austin Rivers, Tony Bradley, a 2025 second-round pick from the 76ers, a 2026 second-round pick from the 76ers as well. 
Uh, I know I mentioned the Oklahoma City Thunder just a few minutes ago when I was talking about the Paul George trade with the Clippers. They have an abundance of first-round picks. They have an abundance of swaps with the Clippers. And now that they're amassing second-round picks as well, uh, they were competitive last year. They're kind of in a rebuild this year. Let me check the standings real quick in the West. Uh, yeah, they're 19 and 25. They're four games out of you know eight, the eighth seed, but you know they're obviously in rebuild mode and they are making a bunch of moves, getting a bunch of draft picks, and I think they're going to be good in a few years, hopefully. Let's see the uh, Portland Trailblazers trade away Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood to the Toronto Raptors for Norman Powell. The Bulls and the Magic made a trade between themselves where the Bulls get Nikola Vucevic and Alfarik Aminu, and the Magic get Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter Jr., and two future first-round picks. And that wraps up all of the NBA trade deadline trades that occurred. And just to recap, there were 16 trades made, 23 teams included, and 46 rostered players moved. Again, that is the most in each category in the past 35 years on deadline day. Holy smokes, a lot of players getting moved, a lot of players going from one team to another, a bunch of teams trying to make moves for the future, trade away expiring contracts, get some draft picks, make a push for the playoffs. A lot of everything is going on, and the Celtics were in the middle of that, which is good. Danny Ainge made his first in-season trade since 2015 when he brought in Isaiah Thomas from the Phoenix Suns that year and I'm not gonna complain about the moves I mean I wish there was more I mean you get Luke Hornet, Mo Wagner and Evan Fournier I think Evan Fournier is going to be a great addition it'll be interesting to see if he comes off the bench or if he starts he might come off the bench you know early on just you know he can kind of get up to speed and get caught up get his rhythm with the teammates uh I do think he should be the starting two guard and not Marcus Smart because I like to see Marcus Smart come off the bench where I think he would be a lot better, you know, his skill set would be better, you know, especially being a defensive weapon. I feel like if he comes off the bench and Evan Fournier starts, then Marcus Smart, who has some offensive skill, I know I've talked trash about his, his shooting and whatnot, how he thinks he's the guy on the team, but do that with the second unit. And then obviously come the fourth quarter, if you're in a tight game and you need Smart to be in there, then you make adjustments accordingly throughout the game. But I think Evan Fournier would be a nice little addition to the starting rotation as well, given another scorer. Uh, He's averaging around 20 points a game, and I think this is a good addition for the Celtics. Can I see Evan Fournier coming off the bench to provide that off-the-bench scoring? Yes. I don't think it would be ideal long-term. But we'll see what happens with um, the rotation, especially including, you know, Fournier, Wagner, and Cornette. But I do want to touch upon one thing really quickly about the Evan Fournier trade. Since he's making roughly $20 million this year, the Celtics had to use part of the trade exception that they acquired from losing Gordon Hayward to the Charlotte Hornets. So part, I don't know the exact number, but part of their trade exception was used to acquire Evan Fournier. Hopefully, with the trade deadline now gone, they'll be able to use some of that in next offseason when they look to trade or you know sign whoever that may be come then but interesting side note that Danny Ainge did push some chips not all but some chips into the pot in order to take a little gamble so just going over Evan Fournier real quick he has played in 26 games starting 26 games he is averaging 30.3 minutes or so a night 
he averages 19.7 points per game. So let's just call it 20 to make ourselves feel good. His field goal percentage is 0.46, so 46%, not too bad. His three-point percentage is 0.38, so 38%. I'll take that. It's actually 0.388, so it's almost 39%. Absolutely will take that. I mean, the Celtics need three-point scoring. They need a scorer. You know, he's averaging almost 20 points. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, you give up Jeff Teague, who wasn't really a fit in this system, and two second-round picks, so I think that's a win-win. Yes, his contract is up at the end of the season, and you'll most likely not see him re-sign with the Celtics, you know, unless something crazy happens. But it is noteworthy nonetheless. And going back to Jeff Teague, my buddy Sean over at Gany Sports Pod was mentioning that he wanted Jeff Teague the hell out of Boston, and I guess he got his wish there, moving Jeff Teague to Orlando. So overall, I really like this trade from the Celtics. I know it's only a rental um that we're acquiring with fournier but it is what it is you might see him next year i strongly doubt it but not going to think about next year let's just talk about this year and i think he will definitely help the team this year i before i get into any standings and scheduling i do want to go over the other two players that the celtics acquired yesterday and that is mo wagner from the washington bullets aka the wizards he's been in the league for three years he's only 23 years old so you know that's good to see and going over his stats, he averages 7.1 points per game. He His three-point percentage is you know 31%, and his field goal percentage is almost 51%. So he's not a scorer, obviously. He's not going to light it up on the scoreboard. He's a big man. He's a big man that can shoot the three ball a little bit. Not too good, but he is developing a shot there. And he's just someone that's can take a back seat play some defense while you know your other scorers on the team take advantage of that he adds some size where he is 6'11 so he's almost seven feet tall he averages 15 minutes a game he's a perfect rotational piece if he needs to fit in as a starter for a night he started 13 games where he's played 25 total i like this move it's a subtle move you didn't have to give up too too much for him but i do want to talk about luke cornet a little bit where we look at him he is a seven foot two inch power forward slash center whoa (laughs) big dude right um i'm not really too sure what the celtics were thinking here i mean he averages two points per game a bucket i'm pretty sure you and i could average a bucket a night but let's go into the other statistics he uh zero games started in 13 games total he average uh he's shooting 33 percent from the field and 26 percent from three yeah, I don't really know what the Celtics were thinking here. Um, he's only 25, and like I said, you give up, or you gave up Daniel Tice and Javante Green in this trade. So, <clears throat> was moving Daniel Tice for Luke Cornett and Mo Wagner uh, a smart move? I guess in terms of you know micromanaging your salary cap, sure. You get bigger, you get taller. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm trying to be positive about this, and I'm trying to see the light at the end of the tunnel for the Celtics and be like, oh, they acquired Cornet because of this reason, because he can do this very well. Or they uh, traded for Mo Wagner because he can do this very well that Daniel Tice can't do or Javante Green can't do. I just don't really see it all too well here. 
I just don't really see it all too well here. I mean, obviously the Evan Fournier trade, I think, is a home run hit. You needed to make that trade or bring in that kind of player. You were tied to him and Aaron Gordon for a little bit. Obviously, you didn't get Aaron Gordon. I wish we were able to pull the trigger on both Fournier and a Gordon trade, bring them both in for whatever that package would have looked like, but we didn't get our wish there. I'm just very confused about this three-way trade between the Bulls, the Celtics, and the Wizards. I don't know if you guys remember. I think it was Brad Stevens' first year in Boston. His first or second year. It was like 2014, the playoff run or something like that, where the Celtics had uh, Luigi Detome, whatever his name is. And I don't know why. He was just a bench warmer. And it was like the first round against the Cavaliers. And Brad Stevens wanted to throw something different at the Cavaliers. And so his first bench player he put in was Luigi Detome. Uh, his nickname was Gigi. Uh, yeah, right, GG. Good game. And he gets in there and he puts up a shot. I think he splashed his first shot. I was like, whoa, okay. And obviously we've seen him a little bit here and there on the team throughout that year. But it's like, why is he in? What is he going to do? He's not going to guard LeBron because obviously LeBron was on the Cavaliers at the time. It's like, this makes no sense. Why is this dude in? And he had like a man bun. He had the big beard going. Obviously he's out of the league now. He's probably playing in like Europe or something. But that kind of reminds me about Luke Cornett. <laughs> so i i don't know i don't really want to talk too much about it but yes evan fournier mo wagner and luke cornett all boston celtics now after yesterday's trades and as promised i will talk about the standings for the celtics now i did say that i wasn't going to talk about the celtics unless they became two games above 500 or uh, went on a four games winning i forget what i said or a four-game winning streak, I think it was, or two games above 500. Well, anyways, they made major moves. That was my other exception as well. And currently, as it stands today, as I am recording at 12.43 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on March 26th, uh, 2021, they are 21 wins and 23 losses into the season. That sucks, but don't tell anybody. That really sucks. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just still, I still don't see it. Now, there's a huge gap between the upper echelon teams in the in the conference. The 76ers, the Bucks, the Nets, they're, they're all well above 500. Uh, 32 wins for the Sixers, 29 wins for the Bucks, and 30 wins for the Nets, where the Bucks and the Nets are both two games behind the 76ers for first place in the Eastern Conference. Then you got the Hornets at four, the Knicks at five, both nine games back, the Hawks at six, being nine and a half games back, the Heat seventh with 10 games back, and then your Boston Celtics eighth seed, 10 and a half games back. Now, you're not going to get a top three seed, so let's not even talk about that discussion. The best you can do is a four seed, and you're only a game and a half back from the four seed. So it's not all too terrible. And over the past month and a half or so, there's been a lot of fluctuation between the, the seedings where eight turns into five, five turns into 11, and this turns into that. And it's like, whoa. So it's really hard to get a gauging projection about where you know teams are going to be. I think the Heat made a big move and they got Victor Oladipo. So I could see them locking themselves in, even though they are only one game out of being out of the playoffs. Celtics getting Evan Fournier. Is that enough to trump you into a guaranteed playoff spot? I don't know. 
You look at the Knicks, they made moves. Hawks, Hornets, they made moves. So it's like, what? It's going to be tough because every team that's ahead of you made moves. And then you look at the Pistons, the Magic, the Wizards. They're all rebuilding. They're all out of it. But then you got the Pacers, the Bulls, and the Raptors, even the Cavaliers, who have you lost to? They're breathing down your neck. I mean, the Pacers are half a game behind you. The Bulls are a game and a half behind you. The Raptors, three games, and the Cavaliers, four games behind you. I mean, anything's really possible in this Eastern Conference. And I just want to brush over the Western Conference to show you that it's a very similar picture over there. The Jazz are three games up on the Suns for first place. Uh, Clippers three and a half games back, Lakers five games back, Nuggets six and a half, Blazers six and a half, Mavericks eight and a half, Spurs nine and a half back from first place. But then you look at the ninth seed, the Grizzlies, they're 10 games back, so they're only a half a game out. The Warriors, they're a game and a half out. The Kings even, they're only three and a half games out. The Pelicans, three and a half games out. Just talking about the Thunder wanting to rebuild, they're only four games out, and they're the 13th seed in the Western Conference. And no, I won't talk about the Rockets or the Timberwolves because they're 20-plus games back from first place. So you even look at the Western Conference. It's also very tight out there. And, you know, the 5 seed could easily turn into the ninth seed. Um, it's just how it goes. There's so much movement. I know there's a bigger gap between, you know, the middle of the pack and the end of the pack in the Western Conference. But still, that 7-8 seed is going to be very tight in that middle of the pack. That 4-5-6 is going to be... A very tough battle so it's not just the eastern conference that's in this predicament it's the western conference as well but since you're in the eastern conference that's you all you really care about is the teams around you where you see the hawks they're a full game ahead of you and the sixth spot if you can win two in a row and those in front of you maybe lose two in a row you can jump all the way up to the four seed which is something you can't necessarily do in the western conference but winning two games and someone in front of you losing two games will be detrimental to the standings this year in the NBA is a very, very intriguing season. It's different than years past because in years past, you would have a decent amount of distance between you know seeds. Obviously, we're not playing a full season this year, so it's kind of a sprint, not a marathon, just like we saw with baseball in their season last year and like you're seeing with hockey this year. But it's so hard because you want the Celtics to do good, obviously. You want to be very optimistic and enthusiastic about the trades they made. And yes, I am about that Evan Fournier trade. But that Mo Wagner and Luke Cornett trade was trading Daniel Tice. That like, you know, is that really going to help you? I mean, Javante Green is whatever. He wasn't really anything on your team anyways as a bench player. So I would say it clears up a bench player. But you're getting another bench player in return. At least Daniel Tice was a piece to your team. And if you have hope and optimism about Mo Wagner and Luke Cornett, then, you know, let's hope let's hope and pray that it pays out, right? And trading Tice will hopefully trump uh, Time Lord, couldn't think of his name for a second, Robert Williams to the starting role as the center where he should be. He hasn't started a single game this year, Robert Williams, and he's averaging 17.2 minutes. This dude needs to average 20 minutes a night, and he needs to start at center moving forward i don't want to see tristan thompson starting at center no more now with tice gone your starters are probably going to be kemba smart brown tatum and hopefully time lord will evan fournier become the starting two guard and smart goes to the bench we'll have to see i don't think early on that'll be the case but i think as we get closer and closer to the end of the season that should become the case where marcus smart becomes the leader of that second unit 
and that defensive stud that we all know he is. But back to the standings. Every team in front of you made a move to get better. Every team behind you made a move to, I don't want to say get better, but you know, either look ahead to next season or just kind of you know, fiddle with some pieces. There's no excuse not to get into the playoffs now. If you didn't make any moves this year, that shows us as Celtics fans, you're done for the season. You're packing it in. You're going to play for next year. But although the moves were questionable, you made moves. And that shows us you're serious about winning or trying to win in 2021. That's good. That's optimistic. That's enthusiastic for us. But it's not going to be enough, or at least I don't think. Now, if you think so, I want to hear it. Comment down below on YouTube if you're watching. Comment what you think. Is Evan Fournier, Mo Wagner, and Luke Cornett going to be enough for the Boston Celtics? If you're watching on audio-only platforms, Spotify, Amazon, Apple, Google, whatever, reach out to me on Twitter and on Instagram at Merce underscore Boston ST. Are these moves enough for the Boston Celtics? Me? I don't think so. I think they, they'll probably get into the playoffs. But, I mean, if they're one of those bottom three seeds, that's six, seven, eight, they're losing in the first round easily to uh, the 76ers, the the, 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 the the 76ers, the Bucks, or the Nets. I, I try to say them a little too fast. If you can squeeze a four seed, you have a legitimate chance to win a first round matchup against, who knows, it's so hard to project. But... There's no excuse not to get to the playoffs this year. There's no excuse to keep sucking. You just need to win a couple games. You got to play, play some good basketball. Beat the teams you're supposed to beat. Don't lose to the Cavaliers, the Wizards, the Rockets. I mean, the Thunder, whoever whoever sucks in the bottom feeders, the Pistons even. Like, come on. If you're going to lose, lose a good game to a good team. That's acceptable. We can... We can talk about how you know that's acceptable and how there's some good things to take away from that. But when you're losing to the Cavaliers, I mean, Sean and I should not be talking about the Celtics losing to the Cavaliers and them being the ninth seed or whatever they were at the time when we recorded our podcast that time. I mean, come on. Does anybody really here in Boston or in New England want to talk about that? No, no. If you're going to lose, lose to a good team in a good game. But... To wrap up my Celtics trade deadline rant, to conversation, whatever, Celtics made two moves. They brought in three players. They traded three players. They try to mix and match a little of their pieces. There's no excuse for them to miss the playoffs now. Now, I, I have no idea where they'll finish. Hopefully, they can finish at the four seed. That'd be very nice. But it's going to be interesting because everyone else in front of you also made moves in attempt to get better. So... Let me know what you guys think down below. Like I said, reach out to me on Twitter and Instagram. Your thoughts, comments. Are these moves going to be good enough for the Boston Celtics? Will the Celtics make the playoffs this year? If not, then, well, it was another wasted season of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum because people keep talking about how they're young, they're young, they're young. They got to develop. Well, they're going to develop, and they're not going to be all too young anymore where those you know contracts are going to take into effect Browns is into effect Tatum takes into effect next year and it's well what are you gonna do what are you gonna do when you're tied up against the cap you're gonna have to trade somebody whether it's Kemba or Jalen to bring in other pieces to get a better contract or whatever but that's a conversation I don't want to have right now it's a conversation we can have at a later time if we cross that bridge 
quickly before I shift away from the Celtics, I do kind of want to talk about their upcoming schedule a little bit where we have the Bucks today, actually, Friday night matchup between the Celtics in Milwaukee against the Milwaukee Bucks. That game tips off at 730. Uh, I expect a loss there. That's, I mean, the Bucks are clearly better than you, and you're completely inferior to them. That's why I don't want the Celtics to have a 6, 7, or 8 seed because they will probably get the Sixers, Bucks, or the Nets in that first round. And if that's the case, you will lose probably four or five games. So, hey, if they play good games tonight and, you know, they can squeak it out or or whatnot, then maybe we have something to look forward to. I mean, they lost to the Bucks by two points on Wednesday. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. So we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, then tomorrow, they'll be in Oklahoma City where they play the Thunder. That game tips off at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Then Monday, you have you are home against the Pelicans. Wednesday, you're home against the Mavs. Friday, next Friday, you're home against the Rockets. Sunday, next Sunday, Easter Sunday, you're home against the Hornets. And, oh my goodness, the home, the home stretch just keeps going. I'm trying to get to Tuesday, April 6th, you're home against the 76ers. Wednesday, April 7th, you're home against the Knicks. Friday, April 9th, you're home against the Timberwolves. And then not until April 11th, you will be away in Denver. So you have like a week and a half of home games after tonight's Bucks, uh, after tonight's Bucks game and tomorrow's Thunder game. So 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 games ahead of you. 6 and 3? I mean, is that is that too hard to ask for? I mean, ideally, I'd like to see 7 and 2. I'd like to see. I could see you losing to the Bucks, winning against the Thunder, winning against the Pelicans, winning against the Mavs, winning against the Rockets. Hopefully, you can win against the Hornets. That 76ers game might be a loss. Maybe you can get a win with the Knicks and then a win with the Timberwolves. Those nine games, I'd like to see six and three. I think that's fair. Seven and two would be perfect. But we'll have to see. We're gonna have to see how these moves pan out for the Celtics. We're gonna have to see what the Celtics look like post-trade deadline, and we're just going to have to hope the best in that Danny made the right moves this year, but the time is running out for the Celtics. It is, and it's running out fast. And speaking of running out of time, whoa, uh, the Bruins had some time off uh, due to having a few players being close contact with COVID, and that didn't help them the slightest. I mean, they were finally back on the ice last night where they lost to the New York Islanders 4-3 in overtime. So thankfully, they escaped with a point. It was the first game since Thursday, March 18th, where they beat the Sabres 4-1. However, moving forward, they play the Sabres tomorrow, actually. And hopefully, they can pull out two two points there. Uh, two points. <laughs> Pepe Le Fou. Two points. Hopefully, I didn't trigger anybody. But anyways, uh, it just doesn't look ideal for the Bruins as of now. Now, there's still so much to consider with the Bruins. There really is. Uh, let me get rid of all this NBA tab so I can talk about the Bruins here. They are tw- they've played 29 games. That is the least amount of games they have played in the division. The Islanders have played 34. The Capitals have played 32. The Penguins 34. The Rangers 32. Flyers 32. The Devils 31. And the Sabres 32. So you have played less games than the entirety of your division. That can serve you good. That could. Because I've said this numerous times before. You have 37 points. Well, now you have 37 points. 
the Penguins have jumped up to get 44 points. Now, you've been off for a week or so, or a little less, and you missed some games. The Penguins played some games. They've got their points, so have the Capitals and the Islanders. You are currently seven points behind the Penguins for the third seed. Keep in mind, you have played five less games than them. So, in order to jump them, you need to win four of those games to get eight points. That eight points would put you at 45. You see the math I'm trying to do go here? You know, I've said this numerous times, and the math works out with just about any team that has played more games than you, and quite frankly, they all have. So, you can only hang on to this math for so long because you're going to have to play games against all of these guys. You're not playing a game against anyone that's not the... Islanders, Capitals, Penguins, Rangers, Flyers, Devils, or the Sabres. You're not going to play a game against anyone that's not them. So you got to start winning in uh, regulation and not going into overtime because going into overtime will bless another team with a point if they lose in overtime. So that's why winning in regulation is so important. But for the Bruins, if you're going to lose, might as well lose in overtime so you can still skate away with a point. Last night, for example, was was such a thing. You know, they were dancing with the Islanders all game. Then they lost in overtime where the Islanders will get two points and the Bruins only get one. So what do the Bruins need to do? Now, obviously, they're going to have to catch up and play some games against people. You know, they missed two games against the Sabres, so they're going to have to catch up there. They uh, missed a game against the Islanders, so they're going to have to play a game there. It's going to be extremely interesting. Now, from first place, you're 11 games back. You're 11 games back from first place at uh, the Islanders having 48 points, like I mentioned. It's not out of the realm of possibility to still flirt with the top seed in your division. I still think that the uh, second and the third seeds are both viable options. I still feel very comfortable with the Bruins. They are three points ahead of the Rangers, who are still very much in it themselves. You're also three points ahead of the Flyers, who are also very much in it themselves. So it's you have to play excellent hockey moving forward. You have to. There's no way around it. If you play bad hockey, you're going to lose, and you're going to get beaten by teams that you probably should either win against or teams that you shouldn't lose against. Now, if you can squeak out some good wins against the top of the division, then like last night, that would have been nice. That second point would have been crucial. Now, you're, now the Islanders would only have 47 because they wouldn't have got that second point. And the Bruins would have 38 where you get that second point. So there's a two-point swing there. Now you're only down nine points. And like I said, the difference in games played, 34 to 29, that's five games. You win five games all in regulation. That's 10 points. Boom, you're in first place. Just like that. Now, yes, I'm talking out of my ass pretty much with this whole micromanaging the points and the games played and the difference there. But the math still works in the path to, uh, I guess, success in your division is there it's there now you're four three and three in your last 10 games obviously you haven't played in almost a week so it's hard to kind of gauge where the team is currently at but i will tell you that where the team is at they can't score they cannot score in the teams that are still in the playoff picture the islanders capitals the penguins yourselves the rangers and the flyers you are significantly less in terms of goals for. Now, goals for is how many goals your team has scored. Goals against is how many goals your team has allowed. Now, in terms of goals allowed, 
they have allowed the least amount of goals in the entire division, not just the playoff teams. They have only allowed 70 goals. The Islanders have allowed 76, who are um, behind you in terms of that category. But in goals, four. <laughs> the Capitals, 110. The Penguins, 109. The Islanders and the Rangers, 102. The Flyers, 100. And your Boston Bruins, 80. 8-0. You have scored 20 less goals than the Philadelphia Flyers, who are only three points behind you for that last spot in the playoffs. 20 less goals. And if you want to talk about being 20 less goals, well, how about your 30 less goals than the Capitals, who are currently second in the division? Now, it does help you that you play excellent defense and you play and you have great goaltending, only allowing 70 goals. But wow, I've been a proponent that the Bruins need to trade for a right shot forward to go on that second line with Krejci and DeBrusque and getting a top four defenseman. I've been a proponent of that. Um, I've, I've had that opinion because they need goal scoring. They need someone on the right side with Krejci. They need another defender to fill depth, to give you some, you know, star power there. But from here on out, from here on out, I have to change my opinion about that. You need goal scoring. Your number one focus should be goal scoring for this team. I think your defense is excellent. Your goaltending is great. That's not going to go anywhere. I mean, I guess it technically could. But in terms of where you currently are at and what's currently around you in your division, you have to score goals. You have to score goals because losing 4-3 to three in overtime is nice. But, I mean, I don't want to say it's nice, but, I mean, the point's nice, but not losing 4-3, to three, you gave up four goals, but you only scored three. I mean, scoring three goals, I guess, isn't terrible, but you gave up four, so your defense and your goaltending wasn't excellent that night. You look at the Sabres last week. You scored four goals and you only gave up one. Nice. You scored two goals and you only gave up one against the Penguins Tuesday, March 16th. A dub's a dub. And then you lose 4-1 to one on the Penguins on Monday, March 15th. Yikes. You lose 4 nothing to the Rangers on Saturday the 13th. Yikes. So it's like... I don't know. I think at the end of the day, your defense, your goaltending, when everybody's healthy, of course, will be there. I mean, your forwards can play great defense on on the blue line or, I guess, in the blue zone. But, wow, it's hard for the Bruins to put the puck in the net. It really is. Going into the season, their problem was 5-on-5 five five scoring. They can kind of do that. Now it seems like their problem is power play scoring, which is something that they were very good last year and the year before. Seems like, you know, just scoring in general now has kind of went dry. And it's hard to put the puck in the net, generally speaking. It really is. I mean, the goalies these days are very good. They're very athletic. They're big. They're strong. And, you know, they protect those pipes like it's nothing. Like their life is on the line. And at the end of the day, what's going to win you games? Scoring the most goals, right? I think when you already have something that's very, very good in terms of your defense and your goaltending, and then you have something that's average... You have to address the average need here. You are 20 goals behind 
the Philadelphia Flyers, who are three points behind you. Now, the Flyers' uh, difference in goal scoring is minus 19, where they've allowed 19 more goals, and you have scored 10 more goals than you have allowed. But you've allowed 70 goals, but you only scored 80 goals. That's not enough. That's not enough, especially if you want to try to beat the Islanders, the Capitals, and the Penguins, and stay ahead of the Rangers and the Flyers. It's just not going to cut it for you. You will lose quickly, and you will not win in a shootout. I don't want to say shootout, but like a, a, a shootout where there's a lot of goals scored, not a physical shootout at the end of the game. In, in terms of firepower, the Capitals and the Penguins have more of it. The Islanders, I just think they're extremely hot right now. They're a great team, but I don't think when I think of firepower, you know, I think of the Capitals and the Penguins. But clearly it ain't you because you're 30 goals behind the Capitals. So what I'm trying to say with all this here is the trade deadline is April 12th. The NBA trade deadline has come and gone. Now let's look ahead to the NHL trade deadline where the Bruins need to make moves. That trade deadline is five, 17 days away. 17 days away from today. What do the Bruins need to do? Now, like I said, I've been a proponent of a second, a top six forward and a top four defenseman. Well, I want them to address their forward need. So I have a few names that I want to talk about here. And some of them are likely, possible. And then there's one that's far-fetched that I have mentioned before. That I have mentioned before. So the first one is a right wing Connor Garland from Arizona Coyotes. Now he has scored 25 points in 31 games, 9 goals, 16 assists. Pretty solid. Pretty solid. Can score the puck. He can help score the puck. Uh, he comes He comes great. He's a great player with 5 on 5. Uh, 18 of his 25 points have come in 5 on 5 play which is something that the Bruins need help with. Now, obviously, like I mentioned before, that they need help with the power play scoring, but what happens more often during the course of a hockey game is five on five. So that's why I have Connor Garland on my watch list for the Boston Bruins, because as we look over at the Western Division, the Coyotes are currently four games out of the last spot in their division. Now, they may not be sellers at the deadline or approaching it. They could be buyers. We'll just have to wait and see their situation there. But Connor Garland is on my watch list for the Bruins. Now, a familiar name for the Bruins is Kyle Palmieri. And he is kind of a Bruins killer. Yikes. But because he plays very well, you know, he steps up his game against the Bruins. I mean, you look at Red Sox, Yankees, they step up their game against each other. Um, uh, Patriots, Dolphins, Patriots, Bill, you know, whatever. You get the picture, right? So... Obviously, him being on the Devils for the past uh, couple seasons, he obviously sees the Bruins very well, and he's been playing against the Bruins basically all season, obviously since it's only division-only games. But he has tallied 20 or more goals for the Devils in each year since he arrived from Anaheim in the 2015-16 campaign. Goal scoring, let's go. He's having a relatively down season, but like I said, it's a shortened season covid i'm not gonna give covid the excuse for you know hockey and basketball this year because they're playing relatively full length schedules obviously it's a little shortened it's not like baseball where it's only 60 games which is like a third of the season they're playing the majority of their season so i'm not going to give covid an excuse here but 
it's just something to think of because COVID protocols, you might have to miss some days, whatever. Having a down season, he's in the last year of his contract, so maybe a new location and destination will help him find his groove again, being in the playoff contention on a playoff team. He has a $4.65 million cap hit, so there might be a little bit of maneuvering there that the Bruins might need to do in order to bring him in. Let's look at Taylor Hall. He's a left wing, though, but he is a very good forward nonetheless. He used to be the top overall pick from 2010, and he has 569 career points in 657 games. He can help score. You know, whether it's through points, whether it's through assists, it doesn't matter as long as it kind of, you know, works one way or another. Anyways, he plays for the Buffalo Sabres, so he's been in the division. He, you know, been playing against the Bruins, Bruins been playing against him, and we actually play against the Sabres tomorrow, so get a good look at him then. Again, he Sabres are obviously in last place in the division there, 6-22-4. I mean, there's a, a shit show of a team. There's another player on the Sabres that we can get... We'll, We'll get into in a few minutes, but in accordance to Taylor Hall, he's 29. He has scored uh, two goals this year with 15 assists, so 17 points total in 32 games played. Yes, the goal scoring is down, but he can help you know assist the puck around on that top uh, tops two line as a top six forward. And in addition, he's you know 29. Like I said, he brings some experience being on the Edmonton. Edmonton and the New Jersey team for a few years early on in his career. I just think being bringing in someone like that who probably wants to kind of win, who is looking to you know make a push. He's currently on a one-year deal with the Sabres for $8 million. Obviously, as we get closer and closer and closer and closer to the end of the season, that $8 million is going to be a lot more manageable to work because that number will be lower for what the Bruins would be acquiring. He is not past his prime yet. Obviously, he still has a lot to give, like I mentioned but those two goals and 16 assists in just 30 games is kind of underwhelming. But it's still a good player to keep your eye on because he's been able to score in the past. I mean, uh, goals early on in his career, 22, 27, 27 again. Then you jump over to 2017, 18, where he scored 39 goals. So he can put the puck in the net. That same season, he also had 54 assists. And then 53 in 2013-14 are his two career highs in terms of assists. So he knows how to do it. He's been doing it, and just not this year. But you can't blame him because he's on the Sabres, and the Sabres suck. And then the last player I want to talk about on the Sabres as well is obviously Jack Eichel. Now, is a trade for Jack Eichel likely? Probably not. But it's still something interesting to talk about because bringing a Jack Eichel-type player into the garden, into your team would put you over the top. That would put you in contention in terms of firepower, like I mentioned earlier, with the Capitals and with the Penguins. Now, a little bit about Jack Eichel. He went to Boston University. He was the first overall pick in the 2015 draft, and ever since he's gotten to the league, he's been a stud. Uh, 2015, his first season as as a 19-year-old, 24 goals year after, 24, 25, 28. Last year, 36 that year got cut a little bit so he probably would have scored 40 there and then assists 32 33 39 54 42 and so far this year he only has scored two goals and 16 assists with 18 total points in 21 games now he himself is also having a down season as well and he has a 10 million dollar cap hit which will be kind of tough to maneuver now like i mentioned with taylor hall 
the season, the more the season goes on, the less and less that that cap hit needs to be kind of worked with because it's the Celtics won't have to pay as much, right? Now, to acquire a stud like Jack Eichel, it's going to take a lot. The package is going to have to be massive. Now, what would the Bruins have to give up? Well, let's just say draft picks. You got to start with at least two first-round draft picks and probably multiple picks after that in later rounds. Second, two twos, I don't know, whatever. But two uh, two first-round picks starting point. Then you're going to have to include some top prospects or young NHL roster players, such as I could see a Jake DeBrus going, a Jack Stadnico, maybe a Trent Frederick. Now, obviously, <clears throat> trading uh, Jake DeBrusque would kind of diminish that top six forward situation that you have on the second line because he is your second left, um, second string left forward alongside David Krejci. But bringing in Jack Eichel, it is well worth it, trust me. And then, obviously top prospects as well Bruins don't really have top prospects so it's going to be kind of interesting to to kind of work that deal out but a 10 million dollar cap hit being the Sabres possibly clearing that would be a a deal to salivate over so you can open up your your salary table and really work on rebuilding that team whether it's through the draft from the picks you would get and acquiring um, from trading Jack Eichel or just going out there and trying to you know buy some free agents as well uh, he would be a much-needed fit for the Bruins on the top six if he was traded here. Hometown team, obviously, he's from Chelmsford, I believe. Yeah, Chelmsford-born, and I would love to see Jack Eichel in a Bruins uniform. I mean, like I said, he would put you over the top in terms of that firepower, so just really think about that. I know he's a center, he's not a forward, but you can make things uh, work around. Trust me, you'll make things work if you can acquire someone like him. And I mentioned this before, um... I mentioned that Jack Eichel, Patrick Kane, when the uh, the Penguins weren't playing all too well, Sidney Crosby maybe, but Penguins are obviously in it as they're ahead of you, so they're not going to be trading any of their pieces, but the Sabres could definitely trade a couple of their pieces away, and I think Jack Eichel, though it is a pipe dream, could be something that you could look ahead to. With all that being said, I know we talked about the Bruins, we talked about the Celtics, and trading and it was all about trading today, which was fun. I mean, when I play like, you know, Madden or, you know, 2K, MLB, the show, franchises, I love making trades. I love the draft. It's so fun and interesting. So talking about this, talking about trading, talking about the draft is exhilarating. And obviously with the NFL draft coming up, I got to get my abbreviation correct. With the NFL draft coming up, we're going to be diving right into Patriots news, of course, there's still some rumors out there and rumors starting to flurry again that the Patriots might try to take a quarterback in the first round. That'll be interesting to discuss, but we'll just have to wait until next week and obviously when more reports come out for us to talk about said topics. But in reference to today's topics, I really hope you enjoyed everything we talked about in terms of the Celtics and the NBA trade deadline and then obviously kind of catching you up to speed with the Bruins and what they could look forward to as their trade deadline approaches in 17 days or two and a half weeks. But nonetheless, I can't stress it enough. If you enjoyed this video and you're watching on YouTube, please hit the like rating down below. If you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing for more Merv's Boston Sports uh, content and YouTube exclusive content as well. And if you're only listening on audio only platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, whatever, consider checking out the YouTube channel. You might have some fun over there watching whatever I'm doing over there. But if you're watching, uh, if you're listening, I should say, on audio-only platforms, please 
Reach out to me on Twitter, on Instagram. Let me know what your thoughts are. Give me your comments there, your takes, whatever. Love to have a conversation with you over there as well. That's what this podcast is all about. Um, Engaging in discussions, generating conversation. And if we're debating, then we're debating. But nonetheless, thank you so much for joining me on Friday's episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. Hopefully, I was able to help you get through your week. And as you look ahead to the weekend, I will see you on Monday's edition. Thank you so much for downloading. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much for enjoying Until next time, as always, I will see you later. Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced. From the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beet brand for heart health support, the new Super Beats Heart Choose Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Superbeats Heart Chews Advance are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Superbeats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.